Yo, what's up, world? We're back at it again with another episode of Creatornomics, and I have two very special guests with me today. My boy, Karu, and my girl, Kayla. How are we feeling today? Hello. Hi. <laughs> Hi. Hi. Um, so um, I guess it's you both. You've been on podcasts before, right? I have. Um, you know, I've been in a few podcasts, and also I have my own finesse pod. Ooh, Shout tell out. me about Shout the out. finesse pod. What did that launch? Uh, that launched a little about a few months ago, almost close to a year now. It's with me and my best friend, Jade. We talk about how we've kind of finessed life and Ooh. where we are. And we That's are such like, a good topic. Our career, our industry. And so like how we kind of structure the podcast is like, how have you finessed your life? And we try to bring people who are primarily people of color and who've kind of finessed it, you know? Yeah, so what, what are the qualifications outside of being a person of color to, like, what do you like? Yeah, oh, that yeah, person's sure. a finesser. We, we've definitely added white people. Don't get me wrong. Like, <laughs> no, no, but I'm, I'm saying, like, what is, what is it about somebody that you're, like, you're a finesser, qualified, Yeah, what is finesse? Through? I think it's um, getting white privilege without being white. Okay. You know what I mean? Like, being able to talk, go, like, sneak into parties, like, really being put, putting yourself in a position where you're normally not allowed or not really welcome to but yeah. and thriving so what are your three keys to finessing you know it's there's just no keys it's like a mix of so many different things have you ever heard of the saying je ne sais quoi it's like that it's like je ne sais quoi je ne sais quoi <laughs> <laughs> yeah i don't know what that means but it sounds swaggy really yeah. what does it mean it just means like a little like you know it's like something special so it's essentially you're thriving. That's what it is. Right, right. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Slay. I, I love that. I feel Slay. like we're thriving. We're thriving. So. Always. <laughs> and then Kayla, your very first podcast. Um, very first podcast. Oh, it's thank this you. is not the first Her time first? on the pod, though. Oh, what? this is not. We've played around, but first time on the podcast. Ooh, yeah. on the record. First mm -hmm. time. Well, yeah. I love that. I felt the energy. Right, <laughs> right, right. right. I love that this is your first time. This yeah. is my first time meeting you, and it's this intimate moment. Yeah, on, with all these cameras right. around us. Um, all right. So, But I, I, I love, I know Kayla was asking right before we jumped on a little bit about you. I'd love sure. for you to, I, I know your background. It's pretty pretty cool, pretty finessey, but um, let's let's run it through how you finessed life. Well, you know, I I don't want to kind of rep be, uh, I don't want to like, how would I say it? I don't want to keep saying the same story. So I'll, I'll try to shorten it down to as like summary as possible. Like a, a reader's digest. Okay. Um, I grew up in the Philippines. I moved to this country called Qatar when I was 12 or 13. I could not honestly remember. And... Um, I started out as a graphic designer. I did thumbnails for YouTubers and creators. After that, I was an editor. And then um, slowly afterwards, I started working in eSports. So I worked in eSports for about two years. One of the people I ended up working with was this guy called Booga. He ended up winning the World Cup for Fortnite and winning like $3 million in Arthur Ashe. Um, during that time, I kind of met him during when he was nobody and to now where he was this huge star. And that kind of inspired me to kind of start managing and kind of helping people become stars. So I started working for an agency, worked there for two years, um, discovered some of the biggest stars in gaming during that time, and then I started my own agency, did that for like a year and a half, sold my company, um, start, and now working at this company called Fanjoy, where we're building some of the biggest brands in the world for creators. Boom. 
So what 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 part of those journeys like do you look back on and you're like, wow, like I really finessed that or that was like a key moment in my my success? A hundred percent. I think it was when I was uh I think when I was like 13, 14, and I was like the company I was applying to was the Cronkies. Like they owned like the LA Rams and some of the biggest sports like teams in the world and they were starting out in esports and I think it was called Phoenix One at the time. They later rebranded to the Sentinels. And I just I was just a supporter. I was a volunteer. I did I, I did a lot of work for them. And so when they finally put out a job listing and I knew all the players and the people and the people all of the staff, they have all kind of vouched for me. So I started working. So I started working when I was very young and it wasn't full time, which is great. I was part time. I got to still do school and it was like very flexible hours. So I got to really be a, still be a kid, but still get to do this really cool job. Um, so I think that was like kind of my biggest finesse moment is being in the right time and right place and doing what I love as well. Yeah. It seems like to be a finesser, you got to be a risk taker too. Is that a hundred percent? Yeah, because based on what you're saying, I mean, it definitely sounds like you've taken some risks and you've been probably uncomfortable. And I always tell people, I I live by this. Whatever makes you uncomfortable helps you to grow. So, I th- that's so true because so I moved here when I'm I'm 19 now. I moved wow. here when I was 18. Um, all by myself from Qatar. From Qatar by mm-hmm. myself. And I think that was the most uncomfortable thing I could ever do because I didn't have my mom. I didn't even know how to do laundry at the time. <laughs> so figuring that out and YouTubing how to do laundry was pretty a pretty big achievement for me. So that was a little bit of a year and a half ago now. And I'm about to turn 20. Um, in When's a few your months, birthday? September. So Virgo. So, Libra. Oh. Virgo wow. too, but I love Virgo. Um, but so like for me, that's, it's like this whole special moment of like being uncomfortable and being, being okay with that. I love being uncomfortable. So actually that's where, that's why I like, I moved here to New York very, very spontaneously is because I felt too comfortable in LA now. And so being part of New York. So you were in LA for a year, a little over a year and a half. And I was like, you know, I'm too comfortable here. If I needed something, I can always call somebody. And I, I like that. Great. Love that. But like. Something didn't feel right, and I love that. Like moving to a new city and having to rebuild my network felt so nice and felt like me. No, it's fun. It, it is so true. I think probably all of us get super bored when like when things are going like too smoothly. I'm like, I need some chaos I in my see, life. I'm like throw a wrench in it. <laughs> I love chaos. You know, we there, there's always about like all those Instagram posts about like being in the peace and you know the water and all that <laughs> shit. I'm like, give me yeah, the chaos. No. I want chaos. <laughs> yeah, so how how's the New York move worked for you so well? New York's great. I mean, like, God, like, people here are so attractive <laughs> to, like, tallest people I've ever seen in my life. Like, God, what's the water? What do they put in the water? And then three, it's like everyone here is full of character. Yeah. Full of character. It feels like somebody's what? always has a story about themselves. And it's like I'm I'm finally in a place where, to me, I feel normal. Yeah, because because nobody's normal here. Nobody's <laughs> Nobody normal. normal. No. And that's great. And yeah. I'm like, oh my god, I found my people. It's beautiful, chaotic, not normal people. That's it's like it. a whole dysfunctional family. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's so true. That. I feel like now I've been here for like I guess like almost eight years or something. And you which weren't is actually a New Yorker. No, ah! I'm, I'm North Carolina. I'm a Southern boy, mm. low key though. Born um, and raised <laughs> New York. Shout out. Hey, Ooh, which part? <laughs> 
Long Island. Oh, she's mm. a Long Island girl. Yeah, we don't like to say that, but oh, okay. <laughs> is, it, is, it, is, it, is that not? It's, it, it's like when you say you're from um, the Valley yeah. in LA. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, well, said it on the pod. It's not mean. Yeah, the, it's now out in the world. Yeah. They now all know it's okay. It's all right. Be proud. Yeah, we're good. So I guess t- taking it back to a business a little bit. Sure. Um, I guess what what about like streaming and esports did you like um, at the beginning? Like what kind of caught your attention? And even at such a young age, you were like, "Fuck it!" Like I'm gonna I'm gonna give this a try. So I, I've always loved video games, and growing up, I couldn't really afford video games. I lived in the Philippines, where like a dollar a dollar is like thirteen thirteen x, and so when you can't really afford like basic um, video games at all. It really makes you appreciate what little things you have. Those are the free games on the app store. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, and so when I finally moved to Qatar and I was finally able to get my own computer, Canada it was a MacBook where you couldn't really play any video games. It made me appreciate the little things I had. And it made me want to work harder so I can play even more video games, better PC so I can play. Now... I'm in a place where I have a PC that I can literally play any game and can run any game. But I remember being um, being in a place where my computer was just wasn't strong enough to run this game and was so laggy and barely playable. And now, like, mm-hmm. to be able to play these, like, at, like 120 FPS, you know, the 4K, like... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What are your what, what are your go-to games and have they always been the same or have you changed it up? I think for over the years it's definitely changed, but I think Minecraft has always been such a true and true player of my identity. Um now I love a lot of single player games. Like I, I guess single S multiplayer, like Terraria I love because of the storyline and the complexities of it. Um I loved I uh what was it? Um uh it's Bioshock Infinite. I love Bioshock Infinite. Just like a bunch of random games. I mean, do, do you like the Stardew the, Valley? Do you like the storyline part and like playing single player and going through a story mode, or do you like like the community part of like playing Fortnite and like you know bantering with people? Online? I think I like both, but I think in every like every every human, I think people like sometimes with people and sometimes not. You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like we need our alone time every now yeah. and then, right? Decompress. I didn't really actually. It's so funny. I didn't really realize that social battery was a thing, and that you should actually recharge it. And oh, I, yeah. I completely exhausted myself when I was in LA. And every night, event, 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 event. And eventually, I was like, "Holy fuck! I don't want to talk to people." Yeah, yeah. That. So I actually am like one of the most seemingly extroverted people ever. Like I love the energy and doing crazy stuff, but then, like, I low-key, like, just then need to sleep for, like, a week and not talk to anybody. Right. Like, my high is when, like, my battery's fully charged. Like, I can give anybody a go for their money, like, you know, in the extroversion category, but then I'm like, let me Recharge go Recharge is necessary. Yeah. yeah. 100%. <laughs> no, for real. Yeah. Facts. So, um, what about then gaming yourself brought you then to, like, managing other gamers? And, like, how did you kind of turn it in? Like, what made you think I could do this in business or even want to? Sure. I think it's, for me, it's like, I think I really wanted to do it. But, like, when, when I had my first kind of star, I didn't really know the rules. And so, my mom always instilled these values on me because she was an entrepreneur herself that in any industry, you know, reputation is everything, right? Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to just come out swinging and start managing people without even knowing how to play the game. You need to mm-hmm. know the rules before you play the game. And so for me, I was like, this is kind of my learning moment. 
you know, the kind of picking up the things from dirt bottom, learning how to, you know, grow the plant and bloom. And so those two years, I really got to learn how to do marketing, talent pricing, like how to sell Mm -hmm. and really understand relationships, complex, all, it's so complex and really understanding that there's a vision, there's a brand and there's, there's so much that gets into it. What I loved about this whole process for me was that some people would have to go to school and not even like you would have to pay to learn that knowledge. And even so now there, I, I think there's limited resources out there for this specific type of work in Me- school. Meaning talent management. Right, yeah. right, right. And so like, even if I went to school, that's like me paying a school to learn how to do something. Whereas I can just learn it through doing it and make money. And I, I felt that felt so empowering to me. So yeah. empowering. What was the most fulfilling aspect of talent management to you? Was it working with the people, the communication, helping them accomplish a goal? Like, what was the most fulfilling? I think the most fulfilling part is not only, like, doing something special, but also, like, doing something with impact. Mm -hmm. Like, I remember going and doing these multi-million dollar campaigns and be like, oh, my God. Like, my work translates to people actually doing this or doing that, and it's counting as revenue money, like... I remember, I think it was, um, it was, it takes two. We were doing something with Sekuno and Brie Larson. It was my first ever celebrity kind of influencer kind of campaign. Mm-hmm. And like, like hundreds of thousand people watched that. And to me that, like that filled a, a whole stadium is watching us do this one thing. And to me, I was like, oh my God. It's so much bigger than yourself. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's so much bigger than myself. And I'm like, wow. And... To see people love it and share it and create content from it because they loved it so much and they love the interaction and all these different things. I'm like, I did good. Yeah. What What are the parts of it that you're like, I'm really good at? And then what are the parts that you're like, maybe like I should have a business partner, like I still need to work on? I, I think, you know, I'm really great at like legal stuff. Uh, one of the things that I, I got to learn from my previous agency, which I really appreciate now and at the time didn't really appreciate as much, is that um, our legal counsel wouldn't redline our contracts unless I redlined them first. Mm-hmm. And so it forced me to, to learn, learn what to look out for, usage, likeness, like all these different things on a contract. And so now I can read a contract without even asking a lawyer's permission and be like, okay, I know what they're going to redline, but just for, I would say, like, safety's sake, mm-hmm. you know, there's, like, some accountability. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, there's uh, You obviously need a lawyer. So, but to me, I know what I'm agreeing to. I also know the dynamics of the relationship and what, like, there are a lot of things that you can say verbally, but can completely alter on paper. 100%. Mm-hmm. And so I got to learn that quick. Those skills really meant a lot. Yeah. So those are one of the things that I'm like, I'm so thankful for that I got to learn and got to go through because now I can look out better for my work, even for future, even for like things that doesn't even involve my work. Yeah, I think it's true. Kayla and I always talk about it too, like how like we can complement each other and like running in fuse. Mm -hmm. I'm like, all right, you're good at like managing people and talking to people. I just want to sit in a room and like do strategy and numbers all day. So I'm like, you take this, I'll take this. And like being able to divvy that up, I think it's super important. Yeah. 100%. I think, you know, when I was thinking about this and like I have so much strengths, I just don't have the strength to do emails. 
<laughs> through emails, that's your that weakness. That sounds like you need an assistant. <laughs> oh, trust me. Trust me. Um, my three or four assistants are going to be like, yeah. <laughs> so what's so great about like like having like different time zones is I have people over the world. I have people in Europe. I have people in Asia. And they're great. I've met some of them. And they now cover my my inboxes for my talent and for myself. And so like even when I'm not, I'm away they can be replying and getting people replies even in 24-7. So our inboxes are 24-7 and someone is always going to be there to reply to you. How did you find those people to like help you out? Well, two of them live in the Philippines and what's so great about being Filipino is like, you know, they don't, like I can speak to them on my language and they can understand and I can really execute the vision. Yeah. And then two of them are people in the industry in Europe and I think one is in Boston. Oh no, no, not in Boston. Um, uh, was it Kansas? One of the southern yeah, states. Yeah. Um, and it's they work in the industry, and so like they were they were just like looking for work, and I'm like I'm looking for somebody. So when when you say that they do emails for you, like they'll just respond to everybody, but like how does that information ever get to you, or do you not need it to? Yeah, like, how do you train them also? Like, obviously, them jumping into it, knowing how to uh, answer. I think it was, um, I have someone else training them who is, their sole thing is just to train them, which he's great. His name is um, Owen. He's amazing. Um, He just trains all of them. And then um, in terms of actually, like, getting it to me, we have, like, they give me summaries. They they know how to execute a campaign without me being there. I love that. They're like an account manager, an email manager, all everything everywhere all at once so so then you see your strength as being able to like source talent and bring more talent into that ecosystem and then once they're in you kind of have your system built sure around you to- i think i have a great system um but two it's like to me it's like forming the vision i think what i'm really great at is like finding out what the vision is for this talent or for this brand and so i'm like this is the vision i don't want to get into like at some before and i I used to be so, um, I didn't, I didn't want to delegate at all. I wanted to do everything and I wanted to be CC to everything. Mm -hmm. And when I finally let go, when I finally like gave my power away. Micromanagement away. Right. (laughs) It gave me so much freedom to think more and to think about things such, not microscopically, but like the bigger picture. And it opened so many doors for me, gave me more time, um, Life balance. I'm really. so happy to hear that. Like that is a huge part of growth in the professional sense. Like being able to acknowledge you can't do it all. And like when you empower other people, that is also your success. I always tell people that I manage, like, your success is my success. My success is my boss's success, right? It doesn't have to be one person doing it all. Yeah. A hundred percent. And I, I remember when I started Infuse, I've talked about that before. It was like me doing it for, you know, three or six months. And then I got like some help. And then now, I mean, our team is 20 people or whatever we're at now. And it's like. Okay. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so Just 20 employees. You know. um, but uh, but no, all, biggie. <laughs> no biggie at all. But in all seriousness, like, it's still sometimes hard for me to be like, okay, like, I'm just not going to do that part anymore. Because there was a point where, like, I was, like, 
had my hands so tightly around the whole thing that like it letting go is kind of scary but it's super necessary it's like, also like when you know that you're gonna do it correctly right as the person who started something or who owns something for so long knowing that like it's easier for me to do this than to delegate it because I know how to do it I know how to do it well and I can get it done fast versus trusting someone else training them and then saying Ooh, that person fucked up like now I have to fix it and mm -hmm. I think that's just a part of the learning phase but in general, empowering others to learn and to be able to grow contributes to your growth. I am gonna be so real right now. It's just like, I remember like, whenever they made a mistake, I got so mad. Mm. Yeah. But at the same time, of course, right? It happens. It's, yeah. it, it happens. Mm -hmm. But I grew out of that and now see it as like, it's my fault because I didn't give them enough training. I didn't prepare them enough. Same with talent. It's just that, you know, all you can do is prepare them to be a star. Prepare them, give them all the advice, give them all the best tips, and it's really up to them or future or fate or whatever, like being lucky to get it. It's like always preparing. And so when I finally switched that mindset of like, oh, you should have known it, or it's me, it's me doing better in preparedness, mm -hmm. I got to really think about things better so far. And I think it's been a year now, no mistake. Yeah, Love they can that. like think on their own. They can really like and own I think, the, I think own when the you project. Give them, when you give them space and like the trust of like this is your project, do like when you're not telling them everything to do and you're like thrive and like just here's the vision, like make it happen. I think people do better work in that situation mm -hmm. too. I'm actually really sad because one of my one of my team members, her name's Jara. Shout out! I don't know if you're ever gonna listen to this. <laughs> Love her. Love her so much. She was one of my best team members. She. Recently left to study to become a um, marine bi biologist. Biologist. Yeah. So she, I think her dreams is to like study animals and see sea creatures. I'm like slay. <laughs> um, but Not this, but slay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and to me, that was amazing. Great. I love you, and I want to support you, and I hope I can I, I can one day meet you. But she was amazing. I remember meeting her and interviewing her, and she was the most quietest like girl. She's like okay. I can do that. Like, she, she like. You watch her bloom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I watched her bloom and really take over. And out of everyone, like, like she was the least, I'm not, I'm, I shouldn't say that. She was the least I expected to really grow and become this giant. Yeah. And she proved me wrong. She, she's one of my hardest working employees. I'm so sad. I, I really am. It's emotional. It's so emotional. Yeah. And when she left, I was like, oh, my God. Like, don't leave me, please. But go. Yeah. That would yeah. be like if, if Peyton left yeah. me. Like, I, I just remember for me, what Andrew said is so true. Like, when you have someone, you just throw them into the fire. It almost gives them, like, the ability to, like, put their own spin on it and learn and develop as, like, their own individual person not just a mirror reflection of you right and i think more exposure and kind of taking the risk and throwing them in is typically my my way of management yeah. i think of my and it, i know it's so like corporate and like corporate branding <laughs> to say we're all a family here but, but i real but 
really, like everyone I work with, I, it's so personal to me. And so when she left, I was like, oh my God, that hurts so much. Mm-hmm. Because it feels like a, you you help this baby grow and become this thing. And, and then she, they leave. <laughs> and they leave. <laughs> and they leave. And it's, it's such a painful experience because like I want them to grow. I want them to achieve their dreams. But at the same time, like, you need oh my, their help. I think <laughs> with me. Like, imagine not having to worry. And it's just because you know she's there. Oh, Jara's there. She's mm-hmm. great. Uh, she's, uh, like, whenever I have something where it's like, oh, my gosh, Shabaya, Jara, you got it. And, like, yeah. and, like it's, it's your go-to. Peace of mind. Mm-hmm. Peace of mind. That you know that somebody's going to do an amazing job. Right, so right. True. Yeah, so I guess... Um, what about like the streaming space and brand deals and creator management and the creator economy and stuff in general? Are you, do you are you excited about and like that you feel like you've done a good job with thus far um, and that you want to continue to grow? So I think you know I, I am in a place right now where I'm actually like I'm actually in stealth. I'm working on something. Ooh, working on a little something. You know, well maybe I don't know. Like I don't want to. Cho- I am the kind of person like. I don't want to say something and then like it not doesn't happen and yeah. it just it's just like why didn't why don't you even say it in the first place? But I'm working on something. I'm working on something to blow everybody's minds. Hopefully, manifesting. Um and uh, it is re- revolving around creators, but I think I'm getting to different spaces is what I can tell you. Okay, uh, this is uh, infused fluent. Podcast exclusive, exclusive. exclusive. <laughs> um, so uh, I guess one thing that Kayla and I, a lot of our creators do now are in like the streaming space. Right. Um, I guess what you, you're like an OG of this space. I sure. guess kind of how have you seen it evolve and what opportunities do you think are, are in that space still um, that you talk with your talent about and specifically around monetization and how do, how do streamers make more money? Streamers are now becoming mainstream and are becoming icons on their own, outside of gaming. I mean, look at Ludwig. He was just the star of mm-hmm. a KFC commercial. Mm-hmm. That's insane. Like a national brand and doing. An, he's a, he was a he was the star of a national branded commercial. That's amazing. And then one of my one of my creators, she just was the brand ambassador for Lego, for Steam. That's sick. Insane. So to me, I'm like, gamers are now becoming a mainstream celebrity. Whereas before we saw like beauty creators like James Charles or become mainstream or these vloggers like Emma Chamberlain become these real life mainstream celebrities. I think we're slowly going to see that from gamers as well become celebrities, become mainstream. So, so you think their monetization opportunities are going like mainstream celebrity, exactly, big time, exactly. big screen commercials. A hundred percent. And I think we are now going to see an era. And I, I love this because... Right now, we might see millions of people already in the marketplace using, you know, consuming creator goods and creator content. That's only a small percentage. Gen Alpha hasn't even gotten their phones yet. What will happen if that population gets phone, gets gets YouTube, gets TikTok? Yeah. We are now in the midst of a new generation consuming content. Mm-hmm. Whereas before, we were the consumers of Right. Watching like iCarly and all these like iconic shows or whatever. Yeah. Right. We're now in that place where we're those people that they're going to be watching and they're going to be remembering so many memories or creating these core memories. So 
this, it's a great time to be alive. It's a great time to be in the space. So speaking of which, what do you think about like the potential TikTok ban and like what other platforms do you think will grow for this new generation? TikTok ain't getting banned. Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> Agreed. It's not getting banned. There's no I, I think the U.S. would be very stupid to ban TikTok where it's a re- serving millions of people in American jobs. Mm-hmm. Very stupid. When it's uh, countless of small businesses have been growing and it, TikTok helps the economy. It does. It helps small businesses. It helps people who don't even know that being doing this thing or this thing is a job. Mm -hmm. So TikTok is a powerhouse and has probably changed the economy like forever. So it would be very stupid for the Biden administration to ban TikTok for the impact that it's done. To this country yeah, and, and that, that's just from and a business others, standpoint right the, the amount of creators that have been able to make a living or get discovered or build some following insane talk is, is really yeah. high as well i mean I, I get the whole china thing as well it's, it's a bit of a tough one but as a uh, as a as a uh to be honest with me i don't get that like i'm sure i'm sure there's some sort of degree of privacy and information that people shouldn't have access to but Facebook and all these different companies already do that in the Correct. first like yeah. already here in the US and they're US owned companies. Just because of politics. It's like people people are playing with people's lives. These people in power are playing with people's lives and don't understand the impact just cuz they're, they're they're having a dick, you know, who has a bigger dick contest. Yeah. I mean, I I think that there's there's a lot of truth to what you're saying. I think I don't know enough about like the actual of course, politics. No, I, I'm but... actually, I, 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 I want I want to reinstate that I am not well informed enough in both sides. I am no either Republican or Demo- but, but Democrat. But we work and, and but we, everything and... I said is legit. Yeah. Right, but every this is um, this is my own personal statement. Know my companies or values of other people. Yeah, but I I think that like obviously us as influencer marketers in the space, right. like it's like such a core pillar of of what we do. It would be like massively disruptive if that got ripped away. If there was a world without it, could you imagine that? Do you think that we'd be able to recoup with other platforms? I think so. I think you if if it were to happen, I'm sure YouTube and exactly. Snapchat would really rise up and double down to like get all that influx of creators and people looking to start content. And ideally, it's just like, to me, and it's a little bit of a conspiracy theory. Okay. Um, (laughs) Show and um, Mr. Zuckerberg have history. And so I think for me, it's like, oh, is it just because like, if, if TikTok goes down, creators are now forced to go on these platforms by YouTube and Instagram. So, like, to me, that just tells me that, you know, who are, who's actually going to benefit from TikTok going down isn't um, the government, isn't because of the it's China the thing. It's the social media competitors. It's the competitors that are yeah. going to win. <laughs> yeah. And so, and I'm now more understanding the power of what lobbying is and legislation oh, yeah. and law and why certain agendas uh, make sense for this or that and mm-hmm. why companies and tech companies are very close to politicians. I'm now understanding that dynamic of that relationship because it's so much more. It's so deep and so 
it's so real. And I'm like, wow. Like, yeah, the like world, obviously YouTube and Facebook want TikTok to get banned. They'll get all their exactly. users overnight. Right, exactly. Yeah. I want to get all our competitors banned too. Why not? Uh -huh. right? <laughs> but, you know, we don't have that power in that yeah. legislation level, right? And they do. These are companies who have millions, mm -hmm. even billions in dollars that can and have power to, like, you know, put yeah. under the table, <laughs> man. Like, you know? <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, it's so true. So um, outside of the creator space, sure. you're also a fashionista, right? So I try, you know. What, what what got you into that and kind of what – I see you at shows and stuff all the time. What's what's kind of – is that a hobby? Is that something that you would have interest in moving into or – Is that what you're you – is that part of what you're manifesting? That is something I'm ah. manifesting. <laughs> she right. <laughs> and so I, I, I think for me, I've always loved fashion. I've always loved the idea of just like creating work that like lives and breathe. And maybe one day, I think now is not really a right time for me to kind of explore that. And I'm just like kind of breaking into the circles now with New York. You know, I, I am gonna try to be more active in this fashion scene here. But it, it, I think, you know, there isn't a timeline. And I like that, you know, uh, some of the biggest, you know, um, designers in the world didn't start until their 40s or 30s Amen. or 50s. And so. I, yeah, you're 19. You I'm 19. That you got like, time. I got time. And to me, that's amazing because that means I, I don't need to rush art. I don't need to rush putting out a collection. I don't need to rush these things. And I can take things one at a time. And yeah. you're in the right place. I'm in the right place and right time, baby Amen. Girl. Mm -hmm. All right. And and last question that I always end with for both of you. Like yes. in this being in the social media space that we're in, like how do you take care of your mental health and what tips do you have for creators that are constantly dealing with the toxic environment? What do you think? How do I one more time? Like, how, how do you stay in a mental health, or a, a yeah, healthy space mentally while we're in this, like, wild world of social media? So I think for me, boundaries is super important in mm -hmm. personal and professional life. Um, I'm a certified yoga instructor on the side. That's hot. So, <laughs> That's so it. hot. Um, but I spend a lot of my time journaling. I'm super into meditation. I do a lot of yoga. I think physical activity, social media requires you to... A lot of the time, like, you're on your phone all the time, right? Right. And you're on social media. It could be hours of scrolling. And I think it's really important for physical movement. I think being able to interact with people in person, not just through your phone, we can't have that die, right? So I think that that energy and that connection is super important. That's what I do mostly to- And uh, standing on your head in yoga. Uh, yes, I do a lot of headstands and- My gosh, I, 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 I need to attend you. one of her classes. I got you, I got you. Oh, okay. <laughs> Next pod, oh. yoga in the room. Yeah. Right. <laughs> on our heads. <laughs> okay, now returning. <laughs> um, Okay, I'm gonna tell you the real answer off pod, but you know, uh, to me, I think, you know, putting myself in, I like having friends that have no idea what I do. Love that. Mm -hmm. And are completely out of it. And are like, I don't need to impress them. I don't need to talk about what I do. I like my best friend, Jade, she is in the creator world, but like we are in totally different fields that it doesn't even collide. And then one of my other best friends, Claire, she's like a tennis player. and. Like, why would she give a fuck about, like, creators? Like, and so it's so refreshing to me to have really good friends like that that, like, kind of, hum not necessarily humble me, but they humble me, but, <laughs> um, especially Claire. <laughs> um, 
like it's so nice and it's so refreshing and I get to talk about something else besides work and it's like this disconnect. Yeah, yeah. it nice. set a whole different part of your soul like on fire. Right, yeah. right, and it's um it's refreshing. It feels like a breath of air. No pressure. No pressure. Yeah. And yeah. especially in tech. Here in New York, people don't give a fuck what you do. Yeah. <laughs> it's yep. like people like people in New York are so limited in time. Like mm-hmm. they would rather spend it with people that they give a fuck about rather than people who just like Hondo P. Right. And with that, we out. Subscribe to the latest episode of Creatornomics at InfusedPod.com. That's InfusedPod.com.